0: Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry.
1: Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress, and your host of Talking Timber. I'm excited this week to have Hunter Harrell, Assistant Professor at Humboldt University in California. He's going to be talking to us about the forestry program there. Right now, though, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Both are dedicated to providing sound technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation gave out thousands of dollars in scholarships. You can check out their work at www.pacificloggingcongress.org and www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Also, we want to thank Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmill and Journal. You can subscribe now for free just by going to their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay, now let's hear from Hunter and how he got involved in the industry.
0: So I, I first got involved, I guess, in the industry um, through going to, to school. You know, uh, unlike uh, other people, I didn't have any family or, or anything like that that were loggers or, or involved in the industry um, before I got into it. Um, like a lot of people who got into forestry you know I, I grew up with a love of the outdoors and and, and playing outside and, and things like that um, growing up uh, I grew up in uh, Monterey Bay in both monterey and, and Santa Cruz area uh, in the central California coast and you know my family had a, a few acres that was in the hills uh, surrounded by Monterey pine and so I spent a lot of t- my time out outdoors you know building tree houses mapping trails around the forest and and spending all my all my uh free time out there um and you know my father uh was involved in um, in in backpacking and things like that he was an outdoor education teacher for a short time and and so uh he got me involved in you know backpacking in the, in the Sierra nevadas and and the Big Sur Mountains uh, was a favorite childhood place. So I grew up with that love of the outdoors and and being outside and and just being interested in exploring the natural world. And it wasn't until uh, I, you know, was finishing up high school, and uh, many people at that age have to decide, you know, what it is they're going to do, or or if they're going to go to college, what they're going to study, and and I didn't really have uh, a whole lot of ideas. Um, and uh but I knew I wanted to do something outdoors uh, in the natural resource sciences um, and I, you know, I had some experiences along the way that helped guide me there my My first job I remember um, was when I was thirteen at, at my stepmother's uh, bank uh, It was a credit union at Stanford University and I was 13 years old in the summer and I was working in the, in the filing department in the basement. And, um, uh, it was a great job and a good experience, but, you know, from a kid living outside, it, it just wasn't for me. And I, I realized at that point that, um, if I was going to have a career, I'd like something where I wasn't inside an office in a, in a cubicle all day. So that was inspirational, certainly. Um, and then um you know my father told me um when i was getting ready to go to college that you know there's this whole profession called forestry and, and you like being in the forest and and maybe that's something to look into and and i looked into it and and applied to some schools and ended up going to humboldt state university in in northern california to study forestry um and what took me up there was you know growing up and and going and exploring the the redwoods in california was uh, was really important to me and and uh, and I thought those forests were just fascinating and this university, for those who don't know, is you know located on the on the northern coast in the temperate rainforest um, and it's really in the heart of the redwoods and and the region has uh, a strong history in in redwood forests and and management. so that's ha- uh, how I got into studying. Um, was by going to Humboldt State University, and, and I studied forestry there. And, and then eventually, um, you know, I got some opportunities to get some working experience um, in the summers. And then full-time later on, uh, after graduating, I, I got a job uh, in the local industry in Humboldt uh, County there uh, with Green Diamond Resource Company, uh, a large industrial forest landowner in the area and uh, got to have a a great um, first job out of uh, university working as um, a forest technician, you know, helping lay out uh, harvest plans out in the forest um, and prepare them for timber harvest. And that was um, a really uh, fun time when I look back at my career, you know, being able to work outside and uh, they send you send you to all over places you know out to the middle of nowhere and kind of to explore sometimes places uh, people haven't been in you know 30, 40 years or something, so you're kind of out there mapping and doing reconnaissance and and things like that and it was a lot of fun. How long were you doing that for that? Um, I did that for several years, so about three years uh part time you know in the summers and winters while I was going to school, and then um, I guess they liked me enough to. To offer me a full-time job when when I graduate which um, funny enough happens uh, commonly with students if yeah. uh, if you get into a good job and, and you're doing a good job there and, and your employer's happy with you oftentimes that can lead to a, a potential full-time job offer but yeah it was great I look back you know got to spend um, 10 hours a day lots of times working out in the forest uh, got my first dog a Yale lab that helped scare mountain lions away and a great companion spent every day out in the woods with them. It was a, a fun time. Um, and I guess to to transition maybe to where I am now today, um, after, uh, after working in the industry uh, for a short period I, I decided to go back to school to pursue graduate studies um, So I was encouraged uh, by my family to uh, continue and further my studies. And it was kind of a a long-term goal that I wanted to do um, graduate studies. So I ended up doing a master's uh, back at Humboldt State University. Um, And it was fun because I got to do uh, research on my former employer's property, Green Diamond, uh, locally there. And um, so that uh, introduced me to the field of, uh, research. Um, so I got involved, uh, doing some research projects there for my master's on biomass harvesting, where they collect, uh, residual materials left over from harvesting operations, uh, things like slash, you know, tops of trees and branches that's normally piled and burned, um, to dispose of, uh, because it can be, uh, uh, a hazard to the forest uh, health, uh, but in this case, they were trying to recover it and uh, use it to produce renewable electricity. So, by chipping it or grinding it and shipping it to a local power plant nearby, um, so we explored some ways to ways new ways to do that um, and the economics of doing that, and whether it was feasible. And um, so that was a uh, that did was a it, great did it
1: Did it turn out that it was feasible?
0: yes and no it's tricky a lot of biomass harvesting operations uh can be uneconomic. you know they're real sensitive to uh transport costs uh it's a low density material um so you know it's kind of like hay and it's the reason we we bale hay is to densify it so we can transport it further uh more economically so in the long run um you know they were producing renewable energy and uh in a lot of cases, even if they were breaking even on the operation as a whole, they were still saving uh, money in other areas. Um, you know, you know they could have saved money in in burning costs because they didn't have to go out there and and uh, burn the piles and and fight fires sometimes mm-hmm. when they control and, and emit all that uh, smoke and carbon in the atmosphere. So I think all in all, it was a win-win, and and they learned a lot of things out of it and and it was a kickstarter for further research uh in, in the region in that area okay uh when i got done with that uh unfortunately it was in the middle of the um global economic crisis and um so there wasn't a whole lot of jobs available uh for a young person who had just come out uh with a master's degree oh. and so unfortunately um uh, I couldn't really find any jobs that were of interest to me and, and um, so I decided to further my studies and, and stick in school a little bit longer and that's when I took a big um, opportunity and I guess risk at the time to go pursue a, a PhD in, in forest engineering um, at the University of Canterbury in, in Christchurch in New Zealand um so that that was a a big jump um for me and 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 for my family and, uh moving overseas uh to new to new place that you're not familiar with it's it's quite challenging uh yeah. but new zealand's some place i always wanted to go uh i you know I enjoyed traveling uh as a child and always wondered what it was lo- would be like to to work and live in another country so um and on top of that uh you know they have a uh some beautiful scenery and and outdoor um opportunities over there in terms of backpacking and and uh with their beautiful native uh forests and and mountains so and, and on at the same time i was a, a huge rugby fan as i played rugby in in university and and they're kind of a rugby crazy nation with that being their national sport and and being very successful so it's an opportunity to go and uh, be a part of that and a part of the Rugby World Cup that was going to take place. So that was a big deciding factor. <laughs> Rugby
1: Christ got you Christ
0: over was, there. Huh? Yeah, was uh, not only an opportunity to go uh, live and, as I said, study in a new place, but also uh, maybe a free ticket to the Rugby World Cup.
1: <laughs> Hi, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC Congress has been moved to 2021. That doesn't mean, though, that they aren't active this year. They are promoting sound technical forest education. To find out more, just visit www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, back to Hunter.
0: So yeah, I, I went to New Zealand and, and I worked there for uh, four years on on my PhD, which was uh, about cable logging operations in New Zealand. And, um, and then afterwards, uh, when I finished that, I, I stayed on and, and worked at the university there at the University of Canterbury uh, as a research uh, associate and, and later as a lecturer mostly doing research uh, for the New Zealand forest industry through the mm-hmm. Forest Growers Research Program, uh, but also teaching um, forest engineering classes there at the university.
1: So what does forest engineering include for someone who's not familiar with it?
0: Yeah, um, well, forest engineering is is kind of a, a hybrid of forestry science um, and, and forest uh, and engineering with um, management. Uh, so it's mainly concerned with uh, uh, harvesting operations. Uh, anytime we have uh, a group or a, a team of people or or machines working on the forest, we have a forest operation. So that can yeah. be anything from harvesting timber to building roads. Uh, you could even say firefighting, uh, uh, planting, pruning other, other activities like that. Um, primarily, we're focused with uh, the timber harvesting operations and the infrastructure that supports those operations, like roads or quarrying or, okay. um, to get the rock to build those roads, um, okay. you know, or designing bridges or, or stream crossings and things like that and uh, managing all those operations. So, you know, forest operations or engineering graduates uh, often are the people who manage uh, harvesting crews for uh, forest owners. Okay. So, yeah, I started um, teaching and, and researching in that, and, and, and I ended up spending uh, what was supposed to be two years in New Zealand. I ended up spending nine, and then... Um, <laughs> Last year, uh, I decided to take another great opportunity to come back home and, and teach here at Humboldt State University where I am now. Um, so yeah, I've been here just over a year. Um, it's great to be back and, and teaching at Humboldt State.
1: Full, full circle now.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny like that. There's a lot of uh, strange coincidences in my life. I don't know whether they're coincidences or not. You know, um, <laughs> Monterey Pine where I grew up and then going to uh, New Zealand where they have a whole plantation industry based on Monterey Pine. That was pretty wild. And I think my childhood home uh, growing up in Monterey as a kid was built out of uh, redwood that was actually harvested <laughs> from uh, green diamond Forestland, where I ended up having my first job. So,
1: yeah, so there's at, some funny coincidence, yeah, coincidences yeah, along the way. So you're, what, what, are, what are you teaching now at Humble?
0: Uh, so I teach, I'm the assistant professor of forest operations, and oh, yeah. I teach uh, all the forest operations courses there. So uh, we have three courses on um, harvesting and forest operations, and one course on forest road building. Oh, okay. So yeah. for
1: you, you've you've seen now or had experience in both universities, what are kind of the big differences?
0: You know, funny enough, they they were pretty similar in in terms of so size and scale. And and just to put that into picture, you know, um, Humboldt State and uh, is a small university in the Cal State University system. There's about seven thousand students at the university, and we're in a small college town called Arcata, which you know the total town population is fourteen thousand. So about half the students, uh, or half the population is students. Okay. And we're in a real rural um, area, you know, that's uh, very dependent on natural resources, the community here, uh, you know, always uh, has a strong history of uh, forestry and fishing and, and agriculture to a certain extent. We've also got a diverse um, Native American culture here and high density of uh, Native American tribes, you know, we're in okay. the ancestral land of the Wiat, and there are other uh, major tribes around, including the Yurok and the Hoopa and the Karuk, which live up the Klamath River. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, in terms of the difference in the forestry departments at each university, um, they're about the same size, as I said, in, in terms of total students. We have um, just over 300 uh, forestry students within uh, the department here at Humboldt. So we're under the College of Natural Resources and we're in the Department of Forestry and Wildland Resources. And so 300 students uh, within Forestry and Wildland Resources and that covers um, a range of degrees. So we have a bachelor's of degree uh, options in rangeland resource sciences, uh, soil science, um, and in forestry we have uh, you can graduate with a specialization uh, so in a certain concentration so you can specialize in in a certain area like forest restoration or forest hydrology. Uh, we have a very uh, nationally renowned wildland fire management program as well as uh, forest operations, which is what I teach and we also have um, Master's degrees uh, in natural resources, where uh, students can specialize in in forestry such as I
1: So were there some skills or some things that you learned over there that you've applied to your class the teachings over
0: there? Um, well, you know uh, like I said, going going to New Zealand was um, uh, a, a real great opportunity mm-hmm. it was. Um, and they, in terms of forest operations and engineering, it was uh, probably just the right place to be at the right time in terms of what they were doing there um and so, in the last decade or so in New Zealand, they've made a lot of uh leaps and gains in in the forest industry over there in terms of uh, integrating new technology mm-hmm. and so I got to be a a a part of that over there and um learned a lot of things um you know that was one of the reasons i went over there was uh to be a part of what they were doing and and to work with um some of the best people you know including my advisor over there at the time uh dr Ian Visser. um and you know what they're doing is integrating a lot of new technology because they're having a lot of accidents and um having some fatalities and they wanted to do better and improve on that. And at the same time, uh, they are facing increasing costs and economic pressures. Um, so they were trying to kind of, two, in twofold, uh, improve their safety, um, but also improve their cost effectiveness and their um, compatibility, you know, in terms of the worldwide market. Okay. Um, so I'm um, trying to bring some of the the lessons I've learned um, back to the U.S. to help the uh, industry here um, progress and, and try to integrate new technology and, and make that work for them.
1: Were there some surprises for you that you weren't expecting technology-wise? or? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think, you know, some of the things we're seeing um, uh, just, you know, uh, new developments in in cable yarding, but also uh, you've had other um, podcasts and people have mentioned uh, tethered or winch assist harvesting. Um, that's something uh, I was involved with in New Zealand, and that's um, kind of made its way from there over to the Pacific Northwest and is now being um, put into practice here. And uh, yeah, that's uh, some you know. Being able to use that technology to fell trees on on hillsides that are up to forty five degrees, which is really steep you know that's something i I was certainly surprised by, and I think has surprised a lot of people um, if you told them that uh, you know if you told a lot of people even ten years ago that we'd be felling uh, a lot of trees on on steep slopes like that, they'd say that was impossible at the time um, and you know. Uh, remote controlling machinery um, in terms of teleoperation, so having somebody outside of a cab and at a computer operating a machine um, miles away by remote control with with video links and, and sound feeds and stuff like that, um, that's something I, I thought was far distant in, in the future. And so uh, it's really exciting. I think that's what... Um, keeps me excited every day and motivated um, when I get up is knowing that all this exciting stuff is is coming online and in terms of uh, forest operations. Uh, so there's exciting new technology out there and it's it's changing rapidly. I, I compare it a lot of times to people to um, probably the excitement and and hype in the you know in the computer industry in in the early 90s when Technology was just moving at such a fast pace and, and things were changing so rapidly. And traditionally, you know, forestry is, has probably been behind other industries in, in adopting new technology. And, and I think um, maybe we're, we're starting to catch up, and, and things have been moving very quickly in, in recent years.
1: We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Saw Millie Journal for making this podcast possible. And of course, a huge thank you goes out to Hunter for taking part in Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.